we'll show you how it starts. I'll, yeah. I'll show you the plastic slats that we catch the oysters on to begin with. Um, if I can find it there. Might have positioned it somewhere in the yard. Have you got the slat pack? So we can... We'll, we'll, we'll go to it, Dad. A lot of the oyster farms you see when you look out across a river or a lake are growing oysters, not catching them. But on the Hastings River, the Bale family does both. Ewan's showing me the pallets where they've cut the pipe up to catch the baby oysters. I might get a witness on the size that they come off if you... You can see that's where they've affixed to and they've left that little stain, but that's... They're all different sizes. Oh, right, they're tiny. Some can be the size of a pin. Then you've got your match and sometimes you get your your nail size one so oh so we'll they're really like seeds yeah, <laughs> yeah. i'm jess o'callaghan and this is the business of fishing a podcast from the young farmer business program an initiative of the new south wales department of primary industries to help you get the skills you need for the office not the boat this season you'll hear from some of new south wales most inspiring young commercial fishers oyster farmers and aquaculturists about how they work and the way they run their business. In this episode, Port Perla Oysters. You'll hear from Ewan Bale and his niece Bella Fatai here in Port Macquarie on the mid-north coast. We're at the mouth of Limeburners Creek. And it's a tributary to the Hastings River and we're probably a five-minute boat ride into the centre of town. And the majority of the oyster farms are up in this little neck of the woods. They do go further up towards uh, the Dennis Bridge, the Pacific Highway intersects it. And that's about as far as the oyster growing region is in terms of the, the length of the river. It's quite short, but you get into brackish water if you go any further. And yeah, the oysters don't seem to grow as well. The Bale family started farming oysters here in 1918. But 100 years on, Ewan Bale is in the process of taking the lead in the family business, learning from his dad, Stuart. So I've been on the river for a long time, but, yeah, it's hard to step out of the footsteps when he's been a figure here for a fair while. Yeah, and I don't mind that. In my eyes, I'm just a worker, just like Bella. 19-year-old Bella is working full-time on the oyster farm with her uncle, Ewan, her granddad, Stuart, and her dad, Pelly. What about you, Bella? Like, you're working with your dad as well, right? Like, is there, like, a reputation when you're working with your your parents and your grandparents? Yeah, I don't know. They're just always teasing me about, like, competition and stuff. (laughs) Like, are you racing your dad? Yeah. (laughs) Stuff like that. (laughs) And are you racing your dad? Yeah, sometimes. (laughs) Early in the year, it's Bella's job to cut and layer the pipe we're looking at to make it an attractive surface for the oysters to latch onto. This is a time-consuming process, but we have to lay these plastic slats in a sandwich formation to be able to like lay an artificial reef and then the oysters catch to that. So Bella's involved in that quite heavily. She's stacked those by hand and then we'll put them out with the vessel and get them in six months' time. So the oysters spawn around Easter and we need to have them in ready for that. Yeah. And how many of those do you do? Uh, I think there's about 50,000 individual slats. So it's basically stormwater pipe cut into quarters. And they just go out like that. The oysters fix underneath where they can get refuge. Sometimes they're on top. And there might be 1,000 plus on each one. So, yeah, we get those. And that's where we start from. The baby oysters that they catch are called spat or seed oysters. 
To grow one of these oysters to full size takes about three years. But Port Perla oysters doesn't usually keep a lot of what they catch. A majority of the seed oysters are sold on to other farmers. We grow them for 18 months and move them on because they can't catch oysters or they might not catch as many as they need. So, yeah, we supply them with a juvenile oyster that's basically halfway there and they finish it off. That's really interesting. How much of what you catch do you sell on? Oh, it was basically 99% of it. But 2020's a little different. Port Perla oysters now have two years to rethink their entire business model. The time it'll take for these extra some million seed oysters to mature. Well, basically our sales stopped when lockdown came into effect. Um, we were selling pallets of seed oysters a week and it just went, um, a sheer cliff, it just went off the boil. And that's cool. Like We understand if people aren't moving oysters, they've got nowhere to put more oysters for their next crop. So we knew it was going to have an effect on us. A lot of the places Port Pearl Oysters sold their seed oysters to weren't ready for new oysters in 2020 because they hadn't sold the mature oysters yet. So they left the product in the water, waiting for sales to customers and places like restaurants to pick up again. What that means for the bales is that fewer farmers are buying seed oysters. So to turn a profit, Ewan and his dad Stuart have made the decision to grow them out into fully grown oysters. That means significantly ramping up their capacity to grow, store and sell their oysters direct to market. It might sound like a Hail Mary pass, but this rethink has been coming for a while. Well, we kind of wanted to do it. We've been waiting for the chance to do it and this forced our hand. Yeah, it kind of steered our decision and seeing like the joy people get from eating the product and hopefully we don't hand, have to handle millions of oysters. We can just grow a boutique crop. Currently, there are a lot of links in the supply chain between Port Perla oysters and the consumer. They sell to other oyster farmers who will grow out the oyster, then they might sell to wholesalers who will sell on to restaurants and stores. But their goal is to ultimately handle most of that process themselves, from growing the oysters to market size to selling them directly to restaurants and people in their homes. So at the moment we're just working our market size oysters, getting them ready for a hopeful sale in September. So yeah, it's been sort of a bit of changing of strategies, but we're flexible, we can, we'll get around it. Ewan's in his mid-30s now, and he didn't always know he'd end up taking over the family farm. I've been doing this full time for, let me see, six years, uh, but before that I've been on the farm since the age of 10. I'd never thought of it as a full-time occupation, but um, I've got a trade background and sort of needed a change and came back. And it's been a good good change, I think. Bella started working here straight after graduating year 12. Like, I've always loved this place. It's, I feel like I'd get, like, experience from this place that you could probably not get anywhere else. So, yeah, it's good like that. Ewan and Bella farm oysters using a variety of systems. And when you look out across the river, you can see different systems in place. You've got many different methods of farming. You can see here there's um, tumblers or cylinders and they have very small oysters and they are fixed to rails and they, they'll um, sway with the tide and the boat wash and they sort of shape the oyster so they're constantly moving and it makes for a deep cup. And you'll see there's floating bags over there, so they float on the top layer of the water column and they ride with the boat wash 
and it's just a different way to shape an oyster. The bags and tumblers generally make for a larger oyster with a deeper cup. But the physical labour of growing using bags and tumblers mean that they mainly use the rack and rail system. Our trays are positioned on there and they sit there and they come out of the water at low tide for maybe four hours and it just helps influence them with uh, changes in temperature and keeps the pests off them because not all pests can survive that amount of time out of the water each day. This system of farming means Ewan and Stuart in particular work closely with the tides. Their routine changes day to day depending on when high tide and low tide is and which oysters need to be brought in and out of the water at what time. Yeah, so they're just a a 900 millimetre square tray and um, they're stacked 10 high and each one of those might have a hundred dozen baby oysters on it, roughly. But it's the system the farm is set up for, and they have the machinery to deal with it at scale. Forklifts and three large, shallow-bottom boats that can carry stacks of oysters. The newest boat was purpose-built for the farm last year, and Ewan says it's increased their productivity. So they're purpose-built, and they're configured like for the way we farm, which is mostly rafts, so... We have modules that are suspended from these rafts out here and they can hold 27 of those, those modules you see on top. Ordering a boat that's built to their exact specifications might cost more up front, but in the long run they can fit more oysters and save time and money. It's sort of, sort of evolved, um, so there's really no need for a wheelhouse. We've simplified it just to a little steering quarters at the back and then you can fit more product in and maximise your carrying capacity. Three sets of screens. Some of them are quite small. Like when we first strip them, they'll go through there and we... Ewan shows me how the oysters are graded. The tiny seed oysters are first sorted by hand, then rolled through a machine that sorts them all by size. Then they're bundled into sacks and sent up and down the coast. So these machines over here there to sort the seed oysters. It gets a lot of use because we've got so many baby oysters Mm -hmm. that might be up to 5 million. Some seasons we sell 3 million seed oysters. Um, That's a good season. But it's a lot of of effort. Most of the people buying the seed oysters are repeat customers. Oyster farmers that source their seed oysters from the bales year after year. There's also a forum, I think it's Ocean Watch, and you can post like a classified ad saying, I've got this for sale. It could be machinery or oysters, livestock. So, yeah, we get phone calls from um, one-off customers, but mostly it's repeat sales. They've had a good experience, hopefully, and they come back. Oyster farmers who haven't had a strong year catching their own seed oysters might look to buy spat to bulk out their own catch as well. For those farms, it's an investment, buying the seed oysters when they're young to make sure their leases are operating at their full capacity. Sometimes we, we kind of factor they could maybe uh, at least triple their investment if they buy X amount of bags and invest that money. They can make it threefold in, say, nine to 12 months. So it is a good business model, especially if they don't have overcatch like we do. They don't have to handle as much, so it's, yeah, it's just an investment. The ones that aren't sold on are grown to full size. This is a much longer, labour-intensive process. Constant monitoring and care for three years. Yeah. Hey, are you tapping oysters? Yeah, I just, I found that one. Oh, my God. When I was 
replacing them on the tray. See, it still looks as though it's sealed, but that will tell the story, the sound, and then it's there. Ewan peels open the oyster and there's nothing left inside. So what would have happened to that one? Uh, Just natural attrition, I think. It's probably struggled for a long time. Before we ran this machine, like through the machine, it would have had a nice big lip showing fresh growth, whereas this one, not so much. So yeah, it's out of the system now and its brothers should be able to power on. To keep the oysters healthier and encourage good growth, the Bale family must regularly care for the oysters by monitoring them, removing the dead or weak oysters and thinning out the trays. Can you tell me what like a typical day for you is like and then maybe I'll get Bella to do it as well because it sounds like you have pretty different yeah, days. Yeah, we do. <laughs> um, some days I'll be out drying these oysters on rafts. Other days like I'll be determining what needs to come back to be worked through the grading machines. Also keeping Bella and Pelly stocked with oysters to work on because they're working early mornings. So we put a lot of effort into to delivering them washed oysters and hopefully dry as well, just so they can visually inspect each oyster. That's where we get our gains is by putting the effort in, like Bella and Pelly handling every oyster. Like that's a lot of care, like given to a, an oyster. And this happens multiple times throughout its life. So, and you don't appreciate it until we're talking to you how much care you put into it. Anyone would tell you up and down the coast, they do the same. They're very proud of what they do. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like when you eat an oyster, you kind of know that there's, like, you know that it's special somehow, but maybe you don't realise, like, how much work's gone into it. And, Bella, can you tell me about your typical day, like, or even today, like, what you did? So I'm just usually in the shed just culling or training up oysters, pretty much. I'm occasionally on the water with you and Stuart. Um... But yeah, it's pretty much my day, just going through the oysters. Bella and Pelly start this early to get a lot of oysters processed before Ewan and Stuart spend the day working on them, taking them back out on the water and bringing them in. Yeah, and so you go from, what is it, like two or three in the morning until like... Like 10, sometimes 12, things like that, yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, very different days. So I'll show you here. Yeah. Ewan shows me a room which proves just how much thought his dad Stuart put into the future of the business when he built this shed over 20 years ago. A large cold storage room and processing facility. Right now, they're pretty empty, but the fact that they're here makes expanding the business a much easier process. Because we've got the, the facilities and they're approved. So, yeah, it's all about avoiding temperature spikes with live oysters. So some days it can reach in excess of 30 degrees. But if we've got the cool room set at 18, it just takes all those spikes out and the oysters can last oh, up to two weeks in there. Just like the built-for-purpose oyster boat, having a vision of where you'd like the business to go when you invest in infrastructure that'll be used for decades is really important. Oyster season on the Hastings River is short. The local population also swells in those peak holiday times. Luckily, these are also the times when people are most likely to buy a big sack of oysters. Usually the months where the water's warmer. So Easter and Christmas are our our target times to sell in large volumes. Ewan and his family already use these peak times to sell directly to the consumer, preparing sacks of oysters to sell from the shed for Christmas and Easter. They've done this since the 80s, and over the last few years, social media has helped them reach customers. We've kind of got some little boutique um, packaging. Um, It's a drawstring bag. You can fit about five dozen 
Bistro Oysters in. Uh, it's got our branding on it and links to Instagram and Facebook. They also sell a dozen oysters already shucked for a premium. Like they're cupped and they hold a dozen a dozen oysters. Um, so, yeah, we charge a bit of a premium for the fact that we've actually opened them and turned them and packaging, of course. But, we, yeah, we want to maybe go down that road a bit further and improve that experience, maybe supply a premium oyster like the one you saw, like a an extra large Sydney Rock oyster at a like a fair price, but it will be a premium product. It's a huge operation, and at the moment it makes up the most significant part of the sales for the year, apart from the sale of seed oysters. And then you've got to get lucky with the weather too. Sometimes we're watching the rain forecast weeks in advance in preparation. If we have to, we, we can harvest and hold it. Um, like, you know, if you get those large rainfall events, it can shut you down for two weeks. So, yeah, we're on constantly checking the weather and ready to spring into action because you don't want to miss that Christmas Christmas time. These peak times are also when there's more demand from their wholesalers. Our wholesaler, our processor that buys our, our oysters, they've got good oysters down south and they can't really justify the freight to get it from here. Like, you don't want to go too far afield, but they've also realise they need all the different tastes from all the different estuaries because they're all different. So each estuary has a signature taste and they're trying to promote that. All those seed oysters which they've decided to store and grow will be ready to sell as fully grown oysters two years from now. As you've heard, they have the capacity to store them and process them, but they still have to figure out how they're going to sell them. The efforts that would usually be put into the logistics and processing it takes to sell seed oysters has been channelled into ramping up this new strategy for sales and marketing. First step is a public-facing brand. I've managed the Instagram account and uh, my mum does the Facebook page. At, at the moment, we're like in the midst of doing a website, website creation, so that we can have online ordering, maybe some kind of contactless setup. I've got a friend who's got a little restaurant in town and it's all uh, cashless payment and like contactless pickups. Ewan loves photography and this is handy when you're building a brand, especially somewhere with an outlook as nice as this one. I've done a drone course through New South Wales Farmers, try to implement it on the farm for uh, aerial, not surveillance because people might think I'm spying on them, but just, you know, just checking some of our leases are tidal so it would be handy to access them when you can't with a boat but mainly for social media I use a bit of drone a bit of traditional photography. Buying seafood directly from the producer online is new for a lot of customers and importantly they're thinking about the information the public needs to order oysters online. And maybe educate them on how to open an oyster and then it's cost effective it's not just a a special like a one-off meal you could incorporate into your diet a bit more it's a skill and you can show off (laughs) <laughs> Show off a bit. <laughs> so what can we learn from the Bales Oyster Farm on the Hastings? When you're investing in significant infrastructure like building a shed or buying a boat, think about its long-term use for expansion of the business. If your current business model takes a hit, like the lack of interest in seed oysters in the first half of 2020, don't be afraid to shake things up and change direction. And think of new ways to speak directly to potential customers and go about it in a way that's consistent and reflects your brand. For Port Perla oysters, the next two years are critical. 
And while lots of the project management and business strategy is Stuart's, Ewan is taking on more and more of the family business. Um, But I know I need to take some of the load off him because he turned 70 just last week. Yeah, Yeah, he wouldn't like me saying that, but (laughs) but he's he's worked hard and he deserves a break. But I think he gets enjoyment out of seat, like the fact he's created somewhere where we can all work safely and and earn a earn a living. Like, yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's really cool actually. We hope you liked this episode of The Business of Fishing, brought to you by the New South Wales Department of Primary Industries Young Farmer Business Program. Thanks to Ewan, Bella, Stuart, Pelly and Karen for showing me around the farm. You can find more episodes of The Business of Fishing on your favourite podcast app. It's full of advice for your business. And next episode, you'll hear from Troy Billen up in Yamba, who sells his crabs and fish directly to the market. A lot of it, I find, is um, good relationships with the buyers that you do have. It um, seems to be a big thing, a lot of trust give them good quality product all the time if they know what they're getting so they come back for more all the time and and forms a good bond and a good relationship with them catch you then